Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everyone, how are you? I hope you're having an amazing day or evening, depending on, of course, when you are listening. Today, we are going to be answering some of your questions. So if you recall, in some of the previous episodes, I had a, and still do have, by the way, (laughs) a Google survey that people can fill out, and it helps me understand a little bit more about you guys who are listening, and also gives you the opportunity to input what topics you would like covered. And there are some that I've received that are a little bit more in-depth, so those are going to end up being full episodes, and then there's some that are going to what I would consider more of like quick questions and those are what we're talking about today. You are listening to the Career Talk Learn Grow Thrive podcast where we talk about all things career related and I really tell you how it is. I am your host Stephanie Dennis. My background is in human resources which is what I have my master's degree in. My passion is helping others and sharing my knowledge which is why I made the podcast and this is a good time to mention this podcast does contain adult language. All right, question number one. We're going to get right into it. How do you prepare for aptitude tests? This one is pretty straightforward, right? So if you're thinking like the uh, SAT or ACT There are practice tests online that you can take. However, if you're thinking like, I want to take a test on what would be like the best career for me, there's really going to be no good way for you to practice for those tests. So the biggest thing there is just being really honest and really authentic with yourself. So you get like a response that makes sense, right? And I also want to say real quick before I move on to the next question, if you take the SAT and the ACT and you don't do very well, know this. It's important in terms of what college you're getting into, but beyond that, how hard you work and how much you study in college is going to determine, of course, your GPA, which will then determine your job. So know that even if your score is low, it doesn't mean a whole lot long term in most professions. <laughs> Let me put that little tiny disclaimer out there. Um, I will say I I don't even remember which one I took. It was whatever one comes back with like double digit scores. I probably should know this, but I honestly don't remember. And mine was pretty low. I'm going to be very honest about that. And it didn't affect my career literally at all. Um, the only people who ever asked for that number was my college applications and that's it. All right, next question. How do you make your resume relevant? So this is a good question. A couple quick points, and I do have quite a few episodes on resumes that dive a little bit deeper. And guys, my voice is like trying to leave. So if it sounds a little bit funky this week, that is why. So I would one, go back and look for uh, all the episodes that have to do with resumes, but just like a real quick, you know, one, you want to make sure it's uh, specific to the job you're applying for in the right industry. So if you're applying for, let's say a software development outside sales rep, that hiring manager and recruiter are probably going to know one, you have outside sales experience, two, you have sold some sort of tech, ideally software. So you want to think about the job you're applying for 
in what industry and put that relevant information in your resume. So when that recruiter is looking at your resume, they can say, yep, this person has the type of experience that I'm looking for and my hiring manager is looking for. Also along the sales line, right? So if you are a salesperson and I don't know what this person does, but this is just an example, like parallel these to whatever your goals are right for your job. So for sales roles, you want to put the quota. So I was 132% a quota every single quarter or every month. You know, you may even want to include clients or customers if that's relevant. Number two, make it pretty, but have content. So (laughs) what I mean here is oftentimes people will have really pretty resumes and you guys find some of the coolest templates on I don't even know where. Uh, There's many places you can find resume templates, but each job will only have like one or two bullets because how the template is laid out is you can't put a lot of content in there, which oftentimes if there's not enough content, it's hard for a recruiter to say, yep, this person is someone who I should be talking to. And number three, ensure that your background itself is relevant for what you're applying for. And if it's not, figure out a way to bridge that gap. Again, you want to tell the recruiter who's reviewing your resume, I have the type of experience you need. So you have to be making sure that you're telling that story. And then also, let's make sure that you're applying to roles that are appropriate. So there are often times when I'm hiring for like a very senior position, you know, 10 or plus years of experience is what we're looking for, someone who's really seasoned in the field, and... And I'll get people who are right out of college who are applying and it's, it's a quick rejection because they don't have enough experience. So I would just make sure that what you're applying for aligns from like a level perspective. And then a kind of part two to that same question is like, should we apply to the company website? What's the quickest way to get your resume in front of the right person? Things like that. So you definitely should apply to the company's website. It is truly the quickest way to get your resume in front of the recruiter and or hiring manager. Uh, Oftentimes when you apply through a third party, they either will route you back to the company's website or that recruiter and or hiring manager has to log in to that third party website to review the applications, which probably isn't happening as often as they are their own system. You can also reach out on LinkedIn. My recommendation here is whether you reach out to a hiring manager or a recruiter. Hey, I'm super interested in this role. I've applied online. So right, you've already done the work. And I would love to chat with you about the role if you're the right person. If not, hopefully you can point me in the right direction. So leave it really broad. Like, hey, I've applied. I've done like the to-do, right? Uh, I'm really interested, but I also understand if it's a big company and you're reaching out to one recruiter, they're probably not the right person. (laughs) Um, People reach out to me all the time for internship roles and our company is so big. I honestly don't even know who does the recruiting for that. So I'll often say, you know, hey, thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. The best first step is to apply online so the right person on the team can review your resume. And when I've worked at smaller companies, I've sent the note over to the right person. And then you can also set up job alerts through Google Jobs. So Google Jobs, you can do uh, Boolean searches. And if you don't know what that is, I would do a quick uh, Google search. (laughs) Google is like everything these days, right? And figure out that. But you can set up Google alerts. So one of the first things about making your resume relevant, and I think this actually ties into another question, is being one of the first to apply. Uh, So Google Jobs will send you those alerts. 
All right, next question. How to position yourself well with recruiters after being retrenched? I'm going to assume that means being laid off and not being fired. If that assumption is wrong, the person who submitted this resume or this question, I'm sorry, reach out to me and send me an email and clarify. First, if you were laid off, no, it's very common, very, very common. I would simply just explain, hey, my organization, you know, when someone says, hey, what's motivating you to be applying to new jobs right now? You can say simply, my organization had a layoff and I was part of that layoff. So clarify, right? (laughs) Because honestly, sometimes organizations can have layoffs, which would motivate people to want to look, even if they're still working there. So I would clarify. And if it was a large layoff, I would offer that information as well. Say, hey, my entire team was laid off or, you know, 30% of the company was laid off because it's really different to be part of a layoff of one or two versus like one of a thousand. So I would keep it short very to the point. Oftentimes when people are answering that question, they tend to ramble, I think because they're probably nervous, but it's really not that big of a deal. And if it's been a while since you have been working, like a couple months, I took some time, really evaluated where I wanted to take my career next, you know, which is why we're talking or something like that. Question number four, what do I owe my current boss and team once I've decided to start looking for a new job? So this person has an amazing team, the resignation will blindside the team and they've exhausted all of their internal options to stay. So here's the thing. I don't recommend sharing in general that you're looking for a new job with your boss or your team until you're ready to resign. Because just in case you don't find that really, really good fit, they might think negatively of you. And we definitely don't want that. I would also, if you're worried about the transition time, like two weeks might not be enough, you can always ask the new employer if you can give a longer notice if it feels like two weeks is too short. The exception to this rule, and it's not a rule, but a general uh, best practice, if you will, is if you are on a contract and your contract is coming up for renewal, and or is ending and you have a really, really good relationship with your boss. So my last contract that I had, because I've been contracting for the last few years, uh, I had a really great relationship with my boss. He was probably one of the best leaders I've ever worked for so far in my career. And he knew that I wanted to be full-time perm because of some very crazy life situations. (laughs) I um, left California to come out to North Carolina by the way, during the week of the hurricane. So there was like nowhere to live, which was great. And yes, sarcasm for sure. And so anyway, I knew him and I had talked about it that I could not be converted to full-time permanent if I was working remote. So I'd have to go back to California. Anyway, long story short, I was very honest with him about, you know, my thoughts on coming back to California, kind of as this whole like crazy situation unfolded over three months. My contract was coming up to an end at the end of the year. He knew I wanted perm, but we also both understood I couldn't do that remotely. And so when my contract was coming up and he renewed me for another three months contract, I said, hey, just FYI. I'm only talking to one company. I'm not interview. I'm not actively interviewing. I'm not actively applying. However, uh, this was a referral from one of our colleagues that we used to work with, whatever, whatever. And so as that 
interview process progressed, I kept him very much in the loop. But that is like the very rare exception because him and I had a great relationship. I was on a contract. It wasn't something that I felt would put my job in jeopardy. So I didn't feel like there was much of a risk because him and I were very transparent with each other about like all of the things, right? (laughs) So anyway, All right, next question. How to decide whether to get into management or not? So in this particular case, it's the next step in this person's career. It would be better pay. They are a CPA. They have about three, four years of experience and they want to know, shouldn't I have a better reason instead of just wanting to make more money? And then also kind of part three to that, are there non-management ways to further your career? So my first question back to this question is, do you have the desire to coach mentor, train, develop, hire, fire, discipline, motivate, etc. other people. Because here's the thing, if you don't have the desire to do any of those things, you'll have to do all of them. <laughs> As a manager, I used to be back in the day, <laughs> it sounds so old. I used to be a property manager and it was a lot. And I, I was like very early in my career, I was early 20s and I just wasn't like ready for it. I didn't really want to do it. I thought I did. So I would just keep that in mind. Like, do you want to do any or all of those things? Money can definitely be an okay reason to get into management. If someone had like, I've definitely made career moves for compensation. So I have two degrees. I have my bachelor's degree and my master's degree, and I am paying for all of those student loans on my own. So I've definitely made moves that are money motivated and it is what it is. You know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if you can be in a role and be really successful, even though it may not be what you're super, super passionate about, you know, it is what it is, right? I would also say if you don't have any desire to do any of those things I just listed, I would ask yourself, is it worth it? And what is the increase? Because sometimes you, oh, I'll get, you know, a 10% increase if I go into management or I'll get a 30% increase if I go into management. 30 is obviously way better than 10. Is 10% worth it? Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. But 30%, well, that might be worth it. I would weigh those options as well. And I'll also say this, 90 plus percent of people leave their manager, not their job. So if you feel like it's not going to be a good fit for you, management that is, it might not be worth it because if your team starts to leave because you're not clicking with them, all of the work they do will then fall on your shoulders (laughs) because that's how management or leadership works, right? And you can definitely further your career without taking on management responsibilities. Let's look at an accountant, you know, like career track, right? So we have an accountant, you can be promoted to senior accountant, principal accountant, principal in most companies is a very, very senior role, like 10 or plus more years. However, some companies that's a very junior role. So I just want to clarify that you know, controller, CFO. So typically CFO is going to have direct reports. Controllers often do. However, at smaller companies, they don't always. So there's definitely ways to take on more, get paid more, have bigger projects, take on more responsibility. So basically promoting yourself from a type of experience perspective versus a leadership perspective. Hopefully that makes sense. All right, next question. How do I ignore the allure of becoming a software developer? And this question, I love this question, by the way, for context, this person lives in Seattle. So high cost of living, tech city. Uh, you can do, you know, developer boot camp for nine months and make 85000 And then she, uh, this person wanted general thoughts on the kind of gold rush mentality. So first off, you don't have to ignore 
the allure of becoming a software developer. Not at all. Yeah, I don't know why you think you would have to ignore that. First off, I would take either a webinar or like find some videos online, whether it's YouTube or I don't know, the internet somewhere and just take like an intro, like how to develop class and figure out what software development looks like and ask yourself what I want to do this every single day. I would also reach out to software development managers on LinkedIn and ask them, would they want to hire someone who came from whatever software development bootcamp you're looking at? I would recommend asking like five to 10 people on LinkedIn. I know some managers are very firm on wanting a computer science degree. However, I'm sure there are some out there who are open to the software development boot camps. I've recruited for developers in the past, and I would just encourage you to know, like going in, that that's a thing that people look at, but not to say that's a general rule for all hiring managers, because at the end of the day, the need for software developers is so high that if the code is good, they'll probably be totally fine with hiring someone from one of those boot camps. I don't know for sure, so I would find that out. And also the income potential is crazy good. So 85 to 95 first year, and then you're probably looking at 10 to 20% increases every two-ish years until you kind of hit the max. And the max is going to vary by by city, of course, and especially in like a tech city versus, you know, a non-tech city, it's going to be really different, but it's definitely a lucrative career. That's for sure. You want to know, will you enjoy it? And then If it really is money motivated, I would learn how to do like the hot shit, not like the fun stuff. So like (laughs) some people want to get into development and they learn like HTML and and CSS and stuff like that to do more like front end development. I would encourage you if you want to be in software development and make the good money, you would want to look at you know, Java or iOS development or Hadoop, because that is where there's huge demand. And you can Google that as well. There's definitely others that are in high demand as well. But off the top of my head, those are some of the ones that have been some of the harder roles for me to fill when I was recruiting software developers. All right, last question for today. How to score an interview when there are so many applications and then kind of part two, how to stand out in applications. So go back to the question. I think it was question two or three, whichever other question we talked about in this episode, the Hadoop application. So all of that applies. You want to be one of the first. So again, going back to Google job alerts, you can set up job alerts on Indeed. You can set up job alerts on LinkedIn. Make sure that your resume is specific to the role. Essentially, again, want to tell the recruiter that you have the experience they need. So review the job description, adjust your resume accordingly, and honestly. (laughs) I feel like that goes without saying, but I'm going to toss it in there anyway. And then reach out to the recruiter and or hiring manager, as I mentioned in the other question and in that way. All right, everyone, I hope you found that helpful and uh, valuable. If you want me to answer your questions, go to the description and click on the link for the Google survey. Fill that out. I'm looking at that a few times a week and writing down the questions that we're getting from that. So just fill it out. Let me know. Happy to answer those. So originally when I came back, I thought we were going to post episodes like once a month, maybe twice a month, but the demand is just so much higher than that. So we may do like answering your questions once a month or more frequently, depending on 
how many questions there are. And if you've asked, if you've done that survey and you've asked for specific information and I didn't cover it today, it's probably because it's going to be an episode all on its own because it's a, a bigger topic. So stay tuned. It, they are coming. As always, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to the episode. I really appreciate it. You can find the episode show notes and more info over at stephdennis13.com. And if you want to know how we can work together, head over to listen to careertalk.com. And that could be maybe you want a resume review. Maybe you have a really quick question or maybe you want more in-depth career coaching. All of those options are over at that website. And if you would like to contribute to the podcast, you can do so via PayPal. It's paypal.me slash stephdennis13, or you can send it to my email, steph at stephdennis13. I mean, I would very much greatly appreciate it. I am over on the socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram at stephdennis13. You guys are so awesome. I hope you have an amazing and fabulous rest of your day.